So hey everybody and welcome to the movie show with Ed and James. So on this particular episode we are going to watch Highlander. If you didn't know it's the 30th anniversary of Highlander. Cult classic movie, believe it or not, has a horrendous rating on the IMDb from movie critics. It's in the 20s, which is extremely low. But we just thought we could watch it love this movie it is an absolute cheese fest um, it's got a Scotsman played by someone from with Swiss French heritage it's got an Egyptian who's played by a Scotsman and it's got a Kurgan no idea what sort of where they're supposed to have been from um, so just say hello to Ed hello Ed hi everybody hi James Hope everybody's well. Yeah, and we will get the movie underway. The uh, Blu-ray version. Yes, it will be. When <laughs> the bloody things start playing. Yeah, it's a Blu-ray. Because I see they've uh, they're releasing a uh, 4K version for the anniversary. Yeah, so this is the 30th <coughs> anniversary edition. It's got um, so included in this edition. There's a interview with the director Mulcahy who people may know is also the creator behind the updated version of Teen Wolf. Um, it's got some new interviews with Christopher Lambert or Lambert or Lambert if you're from the <laughs> north of England. Uh, some deleted scenes, have had a look at the deleted scenes, there's no, there's no audio which is very very weird. what I think's quality Gregory Wyden who wrote this wrote this as his thesis for a course he was on and then uh, some people read it and thought it was good yeah and told him to send it off so he sent it to a few places and uh, somebody picked it up Quality Queen. This is um, Queen's second best soundtrack contribution. Oh, Flash, is it Flash Gordon's got to be the first. Flash Gordon is the first, and um, we will definitely do a Flash Gordon special at some point because Flash R is the savior of the universe. Now I'm trying to work out. And there's a fabulous Speedbirds. Now I know this is WWE, but I think this might be WrestleMania three. Oh, wicked. This is... Always just genius. It is horrendous. So I think this is in um, Madison Square Gardens as well. Yeah. This is before fans realised that wrestling was fake. The, the fact... I mean, I mean, it's how fans can't figure out that somebody gets headbutted like that and doesn't bleed. Or grabs their own head because they realise that, damn, that's going to really, really <laughs> hurt. 
I do admire their athleticism though, because the things that they can do, and a lot of them do know actual physical locks that can do you a lot of pain and damage. And I see that. I think there's some, like you said, there's some real good endurance, and you've got to have a good background in wrestling and arm locks. Um, but it's like you said, I mean, there's the, the clip on YouTube where the guy jumps off the ropes, isn't there? And he breaks his, completely snaps his ankle. Yeah. And there's also, I mean, there was UFC 200 at the weekend. Brock Lesnar, who's active on WWE, went back to UFC and um, managed to win his return bout. Went on points. Apparently absolutely pummeled his opponent. Now, what I don't understand with the Immortals is why they're always going for the, the glory shot straight away and why don't they go for one of the limbs? I'd be going for um, legs and arms to incapacitate my opponent <laughs> first and then go for the glory shot at the end. Maybe I'm more Kurgan than Conor McLeod. I know that's part of the problem. Being the Kurgan's more fun though. Yeah, because he just doesn't care. No. No, he definitely doesn't care. Among human beings, for the last thousand years or longer, there has been a different type of human who can yeah. absorb the powers of somebody else and will only die if they're decapitated. You can take some elements from TV series, because I think the TV series, when it first came out, although contradict contradicts this film, because obviously McLeod had defeated the Kurgan. Hmm. But, spoiler alert. Sorry, <laughs> um, mate, I did that bit out. Yeah. The, the premise is, I think, if you go... Talk, I'll redo that bit that by the TV series that a lot of the immortals are really really old um, there's one in the TV series called Mythos and he's 5,000 years old and he he's disappeared but he comes back into it what I quite liked about him was he was originally dark side but he became a bit lighter but he was one of the original four horsemen of the apocalypse which was uh. quite clever but um, what this film doesn't quite get into into is obviously here the cloud is defeated his opponent took his head yeah they talk about the quickening but what actually the quickening is it's a passing of knowledge so all the knowledge that he has yeah. will now pass to McLeod so obviously by taking your opponent you're actually gathering history and all the knowledge of all the ones who came before you so it's quite clever in that uh, in that concept. Not thinking that I'd want to have, but I mean, that, that'd be quality, wouldn't it? Being immortal, 
got to go and do a history test. Oh, I'll just take his head and uh, <laughs> not have to study for it. <laughs> you would be really, really annoyed to go watch the wrestling and then come back and find your car trashed. See, because that's what's actually quite clever. Because obviously when you see the other Immortal he's just faced, he was an older looking guy. That's what this doesn't tell you either. You stay the age of your first death. So obviously if yeah. you're in your 50s when you died, that's the age you will you'll, yeah. you'll stay at. Okay. Take some flowers. Think of me when you're on a battlefield hacking people to death. Exactly, for your claymore. Of a Kurgan. Yeah. Gotta admit, Clancy Brown does make a quality bad guy. Because originally, this was another role that was offered to uh, Kurt Russell, was uh, McLeod. Was it? Yeah. But his uh, wife at the time, Goldie Horn, told him to uh, turn it down. So I think it was because he'd done um, Escape from New York and the thing before this. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm not sure whether his Scottish accent would have been any better than Christopher Lambert's. In the TV series, he's got a he's got a cousin called Duncan, who's Scottish, who's played by an Englishman. What I quite like about this is it's just a sheer brutality. There's no elegance. And there's the priest killing someone. <laughs> and then blessing their soul. Now you see, would you have used that to your advantage? No one wants to fight you. Wouldn't you just go around uh, killing everybody who's running away? Yeah. Oh, that's like the transfers failed a bit there. Well, that sucks, royally. You go into battle. You don't kill anyone. You don't swing your sword. The first time you lift it up, someone stabs you straight in the guts. See, so, you know, this is the only bit of film in a way that doesn't make too much sense to me. Now obviously somebody's called the police. But the police are arresting him, but he was only driving out of the car park. Yeah. You'd have thought that they'd have stopped him and questioned him, not arrested him. Dramatic. Not really be mad too much, because unless he cuts his head off, he can't kill him. So shooting him in the face. Yeah, what happens if you shot him in the head? Doesn't matter. Just leaves a scar. <laughs> That's about it. They come back from that. The only thing they don't come back from, obviously, is decapitation. And um, the only thing I find a bit weird, <clears throat> if they get shot, the bullet hole and whatever happens will regenerate. But if you get a limb cut off, or you get a hand cut off, it doesn't regenerate. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't that the guy who's also in Police Squad? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> Where's Drebin? That's what we want to know. Mickey Rourke was also offered the role, but turned it down. And according to the director, the crew felt that Clancy Brown had become the Kurgan and some refused to get near him. <laughs> Because I do believe he reckoned that the Kurgan should wear a bowler hat <laughs> and an overcoat. I always love this interrogation scene. This is so quality. Ever see this guy before, Nash? No. 
Polish national had his head chopped off in New Jersey two nights ago. You ever get over to New Jersey, Nash? Not if I can help it. You talk funny, Nash. Where are you from? Lots of different places. You're an antique dealer, right? <laughs> okay. What's that? A sword? <laughs> This is the thing, I do believe that 80s films are paramount to my sarcasm and where all of it originally came from. Well, when you've got Captain Ed Hockham from Police Squad asking the questions, how can you expect Conor McLeod not to give? Good to know that 80s police brutality uh, <laughs> sits large. I think that's the thing about Clancy Brown in this as well. You look at him, he looks badass and totally nuts. If you think he's played, he played the sergeant who made the victorious kill in Starship Troopers. He was the Punisher's nemesis in, spoiler alert, Daredevil season two. Everybody wants to know who Inspector Gadget's nemesis is. <laughs> Pete the Kogan. <laughs> you can see why this film's been talked about as, as a remake for a number of years. Because the concept is strong. I think it's one of those things. I think it's obviously the sequels. Well, they were necessary, weren't yeah. they, really? I mean, Highlander 2, The Quickening, was definitely a cash-in because this was a surprise success. And by pure miracle, they got Sean Connery back, but then they completely ruined it by saying they're aliens from a different planet. Yeah. And Sean Connery gets decapitated by a, a, a fan. <laughs> and obviously, Highlander 3 makes no sense whatsoever. Um, but it's closer in tone and yeah, execution definitely. to this. Definitely. And Mario Van Peebles is a pretty cool bad guy. But I think... I think where this concept worked so well for me, when I originally watched it, you... You don't know where they came from. It, didn't, no. it doesn't need explaining. No. Because none of them understand why it's happened to them. Right, I think that's the best thing about it. Is that, is that wine or is that like brandy? That's brandy. Holy <laughs> Toledo. 
That's one hell of a serving that she's drinking it. Hey, continuity error. And even more's gone. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's brandy. Wasn't it dark outside? Basketball. The circus. Because the only reason why I'm asking is, if it is dark outside, there's some horrible person who's decided to park their yeah. God knows what vehicle and leave every single light in their car It, it on. is dark outside, yeah. <laughs> I'm going right. to blast it through. I don't know whether Christopher Lambert is supposed to look sexy or whether he just looks like a bum. <laughs> yeah, it is. Where the hell's the truck that's generating all that light? Dane in the trainer and trench coat combo. Yes! I suppose being an immortal in 1980s New York is the only way you're guaranteed that if you got mugged, they wouldn't really matter too much. <laughs> so, based on your knowledge of the TV series, have they have any other gifts other than immortality? Are they like stronger, faster, that type of thing, or is that uh, just not? The thing is, for me, I do. Highlander in two separate ways. I do this film, I discount all the sequels, and then I, although Christopher Lambert is in the um, pilot episode yeah. of the TV series, I tend to discount the TV series as in connection with this. I sort of see it as a standalone yeah. idea. So it's almost like. Um an alternative universe telling of it. Yeah, that's what I. That, that's the way I like to do it. Because to be honest with you, I think Adrian Paul as Duncan McLeod. I think he's actually exceptional, and he's actually got an exceptional character yeah. with a great background. What you find out in the TV series is obviously um, the knowledge is passed on when they yes. all die. Um, it's passed to the next one who takes their head. Um, some of them do have different sorts of powers, and some yeah. of it is mystical. And I think a lot of it's based upon, obviously, because they've been around hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, and they're taking. The quickening from other people it can have an effect on some of the things they do because um, in the TV series which I quite like there is a thing called the dark quickening yeah so if a good immortal kills a dark immortal the dark immortal's presence can take over the good immortal because it's that the dark quickening is more powerful than any other type of quickening so I have a few good storylines on that um, but you know the TV series stays pretty true to this um, apart from obviously they have in the TV series they have a prophecy of a supernatural being arising yeah. to take over the world and it you know it got a bit weird there for me um 
you can actually find the full TV series on YouTube. Because there was a spin-off of that one as well, wasn't there? Yeah, that was Highlander Raven, the yeah. Raven, because there's one character in that, because to be honest with you, that's one of the other things the TV series brings in that this film doesn't have, which is female immortals. Yeah. Um, and the female immortal in that, because she was quite popular, they gave her her own spin-off show, but it wasn't as popular. Yeah. So I think it was cancelled after one season. The uh, good old, we love you, we love you, you don't want to die. We don't want you to die. Yeah. And then when you don't die, they say you've been possessed by the devil, so they try to beat you to death. Celia Imri, that's the mad woman that uh, was in love with the woman that wants to kill her next, who also was a fighter pilot in Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace. Was, is there a Star Wars One film? <laughs> well, there's a bit where there's this Dark Lord called Darth Maul, and he kills a Jedi Master, or a supposed Jedi Master, Jedi Hippie. Well, I must have forgot the lighting on set that day. That would suck, though. I mean... No, oh, you're three, 300 years old. Two, 300 years old. What's your retirement plan? Because, I mean, you're going to have to work for quite a while. Because, I mean, to be honest with you, if you're born in the 1700s, it's not as if you can have an investment plan. So you're going to have to get money from somewhere. No, but he should have been able to accrue a certain level of funding oh, yeah. that he... If they were doing the film today, they'd all be billionaires with the Immortals. Definitely. In fact, that's, let's start a conspiracy theory. All the billionaires <laughs> in the world today are the Immortals. Because you've got to have some serious dollar dollar to have the place that Conor McLeod has. I suppose, in a way, it'd be quite clever as well, because you could look at it legitimately and go, well, I'm going to live for a very, very long time. Gold is worth something. This stuff's worth something. Oh, I'll just stockpile it yeah. as antiques of the future. Oh, I might be able to do it forever, but you can't. No, exactly. <laughs> oh, funny no one cuts his head off. <laughs> and I'm a voyeur. I'll stay right here. Was a woman. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely, definitely our police squad. They're just best driven. Bring him in. How about some lunch? Lunch? Good idea. Big Al, that's all you need. Oh, look at that underhanded tactics. I'm going to go and leave my purse on purpose so I can browse through a suspect's file. <laughs> I wonder if you uh, ever do that. You 
you can't drown fool you're immortal and then two days later when he ain't come out yeah. hmm, maybe he wasn't immortal whoops yeah that's how they do it in the in the TV series as well they can sense when they're each other is around yeah they might not know specifically who that person is in the crowd but they know there is one there until they like clap eyes on each other yeah in a way this is it's clever and insane at the same time because technically speaking he's teaching another immortal how to fight yeah who could potentially end up one day they will have to fight yeah yeah because that's quite interesting in the TV series because they do a, a thing about you know fighting on holy ground because obviously they they don't know why that rule applies. Yeah. So um, one of the guys tells a story of the last time they fought on holy ground, and um, he said, "Where was that?" And he said, "It was Pompeii." So obviously, uh. whatever happened. They fought on holy ground. Someone was decapitated on holy ground, and of course, it caused yeah Pompeii to be destroyed. Stunt doubles. Yeah, you can tell that dude's wearing a wig. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> More than Sean. Ah, proper wrestling. That's not the biological imperative, isn't it? That some people have said as a theory that you have a you had a man had a choice to either live immortal or to breed and pass the genes yeah. down. Gonna need a new table now. Apparently you he needed you went wrong the first time he did that. He nearly cut Sean Connery's head off. <laughs> so it's like you said, he could have took his hand there. Yeah. His sword hand as well. Surprising how that place still stood up. Exactly. You knock a bit of wood and it falls down. So <laughs> I think it's quality. To get the sparks on the blades. Yeah. You can't see it, but off camera they were hooked up to car batteries. <laughs> <laughs> so when the blades touch, you got sparks. I think it's all, also, like you were saying, what else in the TV series? There's quite a few immortals who live on holy ground because they don't like the fact that they're going to have to fight. Yeah. So they believe by staying on holy ground. They're safe. They're safe. <laughs> she should have just run away. Uh, yeah. I suppose that'd be a nightmare, though. Every so often having to kill yourself off, come up with a new identity. Yeah. You get a bit boring. Oh, give yourself some quality names, though. So apparently in the novelisation you get a lot more detail about the Kurgan 
So his first death occurred in 970 BC when his drunken father crushed his head with a rock. <laughs> Quality. Upon returning to life, the Kurgan proceeded to force his father to swallow a searing hot stone, killing him. Apparently there's a sequence that was lost um, because there was a fire in this uh, warehouse. It's for you. And it involved the Kurgan fighting an Asian immortal called Young Dol Kim. And Kim was working as a night security guard. He fought with two swords, but he fed up of being immortal, being alive too long. So he sacrificed himself, let the Kurgan kill him. It's an interesting concept. Because I mean, that's where you get sometimes in the TV series as well, they've been alive that long. That it's they just had enough. Yes. Because <clears throat> they did a. Um, I never quite saw much of it because they did an animated series as well, didn't they? They did. I think the animated TV series is supposed, uh, supposed to be quite good, but it, it focuses much more on them being aliens than it takes place on the alien world which they're originally supposedly originally from. Is it? Zeist or something like that. Yeah. Something weird. That's an interesting concept as well. Would you ever be able to have a connection with anything? Because you know that you were always... Well, from the film point of view, you were always going to outlast it. Yeah. Because obviously in TV series you've got female immortals, so you can You could say you could be together for a long time. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so like you said before, the script by Gregory Wyden was written when he was still at uh, UCLA but he sold the script for $200,000 so that's a lot of money back in the 80s yeah so that was an interesting thing I heard the other day I was on, on the radio when I was going to work and obviously Spielberg um I don't think he'd ever done any film academic course, so he went back to university, and his final thesis was Schindler's List. <laughs> yeah, you kind of go, if you don't get top marks for that, you know that something's not quite right. Because every, they, cause they were taking a mick on the radio, because they were going, oh, oh, what did you write? Oh yeah, I gave this thing. What did you do? Oh, I wrote Schindler's List. <laughs> Wait a minute, I know him. That's Hugh... Crikey, what's his name? Yeah, Hugh Quarshie. Again, he was in Star Wars episode on The Phantom Menace. And more importantly for people in the UK, he's in Holby City. <laughs> See, what I think is cool about his character is... That he's got that very colourful jacket on and a karate gi underneath. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely something hokey going on here. I think that's about six times you've been stabbed now. I beseech you. I apologize for calling your wife Lord Warthog. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a riff on Terminator as well, isn't it? 
got like a fishbowl lens on it to make it give it a different sort of look. Don't ever speak to me. I love the fact that he's got chainmail fingerless gloves on. <laughs> Foreshadowing, foreshadowing alert. The fantastic gear has got like a scimitar. She's quite interesting, they all have unique swords. I think a lot of it in a lot of things, obviously, it's from country where they came from, gives them. Um, unique perspective of weaponry of that area, but also some of it, like in the TV series, Duncan sort of is very similar to McLeod's. Uh, Duncan, Duncan, Duncan McLeod, he um, gets shipwrecked yeah. in Japan and he meets a samurai. Samurai kills some people, some other samurai who come down and they're finishing off the people who were shipwrecked. Yeah. Duncan comes back to life and he helps him kill a couple of these samurai and he takes them in. Yeah. But the head samurai has given, like the daimyo of the region, yeah. has given a decree that says. Japanese samurai are to kill all white men. Yeah. Well, he doesn't do it. And he takes him in, and obviously he teaches him some martial arts, and he teaches him how to use samurai sword and stuff like that. And what he does is... Obviously, he has to do seppuka because yeah. he's gone against the high order so he asks McLeod to take his head as an honourable thing but to keep his sword as well so that's where he gets his sword from uh, but he originally had a claymore yeah because that came from his father's clan so yeah you see quite a lot of different weapons but a lot of them a lot of them are primarily one-handed weapons. People like to, yeah, yeah. like don't like to fight with big swords. But it slows you down, drains your strength, doesn't it? Got a major abdomen wound, and I'm gonna sit on your hospital bed. The <laughs> library. Um. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It is, but I'm not sure because a lot of it as well is birth certificates. Oh, okay. So it would be like the Hall of Records type thing where births, deaths and... Marriages. Yeah, and backgrounds and things like that. Tell the doctors a golf guy, he's just got off the course. He's got those uh, crazy check trousers on. You snooping around. It's never good for you. No. Especially in these uh, fantasy films, because she usually gets you in trouble.
for the what, 300 megabytes of memory. See, because this is always for me an interesting scene as well. Because obviously they're in the church, and obviously the Kurgan turns up. But McLeod does start on him a bit. Yeah. But the Kurgan says, we can't fight here, this is holy ground. So even as bad as he is, even he abides by that rule. Yeah. I have something to say. It's better to burn out than to fade away. The buzz cut looks like it's been yanked him with his hair out, not to actually cut it. Hi, Lander. I've got your woman. <laughs> the driving sequence where he's driving her around, though, is hilarious. Yeah. Hello, pretty. <laughs> I just like the fact that he's got, was it one of those milk lollipops? <laughs> yeah, he's eating a mini milk. <laughs> Shuts the door, that's not going to stop him. See, I don't, I don't know why they bother having doors in these films, because I mean, you put your fist straight through them, or kick them out. <laughs> Apparently the first person he runs over is the director. <laughs> well, that, that's it, she, his hysteria's taken over. Totally lost now. Yeah, because that's where the big final battle takes place, but it was originally supposed to take place on Statue of Liberty. But they've done it quite a few things. In the original script it was in a museum in Washington. I think um, they can the idea for the Statue of Liberty because obviously there'd been quite a few sequences on, on yeah. that and they decided, you know, don't want to keep rehashing what other people have done. Don't know what she's made in for, she's just inherited a fortune. Okay. In the TV show it's a bit different as well because obviously you're saying why do they always go for the money shop first? Yeah. So stuff like that. There are quite a few mortals who like to cheat. I.e. they shoot people and they <laughs> take their heads. Which you think would be a really good idea, wouldn't you? I'll tell you what, shoot him first. When he's down, takes head, win the prize, yeah. <laughs> I think in some respects, I think probably playing a villain can be more rewarding than playing a hero because obviously a hero 90% of the time not always unless it's like an anti-hero has to have a sense of morality yeah. whereas a villain you could you play to more be fun, yeah, as evil sadistic sarcastic or funny as you like it's technically McLeod should have died there but he he, he got a little out yeah. I think it's like when you see lightsaber battles, there's always that added, added element of uh, drama brought on by the one-on-one -on -one conflicts. Yeah. 
it's, it's the skill that is involved yeah. to get to that point. The only thing I ever find flawed, obviously, it's obviously choreographed showmanship. Yeah. A swordsman would never spin and show his back to another swordsman because he'd just get impaled. Yeah. Oh. Put some surgical spirits on them cuts. Yeah. See, old Clance Brown has been decapitated. Well, what is quality in Sleepy Hollow, the TV series, he gets decapitated by the headless horseman. <laughs> Does he? Yeah. <laughs> Not that that's dramatic in any way, shape or form. So it looks like like a hundred plate glass windows just smashed behind him. Inwards. Downwards, inwards. So the lightning is supposed to disguise the wires that he's on. But they to, don't. To kind of uh, make them stand out a bit more. Because you can see the winch as well. Mind you, I did always find this very cool. Like the drawn in creatures. Yeah. She's not traumatised either by seeing a man get decapitated and then some weird spirit stuff floating nope. around. <laughs> if this, what my McLeod got. Yeah. You're I wonder if the prize, each man's thoughts and dreams are yeah, used to know. the thoughts and dreams of every man, was part of it. Would yeah. always be a part of it. But what you desired the most was the, the prize, second yeah. part of it, because he wants children and he wants to live, but. Ramirez said if the Kurgan won, man would have an eternity of darkness, but that means the Kurgan would have had to have lived, be immortal forever. Yeah. So the dark side, would that mean that he would live forever? Because obviously when the Kurgan, if the Kurgan became mortal, yeah. he'd be easier to kill. Very true. Well, I'd really try and kill him, wouldn't they? So, racing for the Highlander. I'm going to give it a seven. I think it stands up okay to the test of time. A few little flaws in there that I think it's a bit of a shame that they didn't expand on some of the other characters' stories, yeah. backstories, which obviously when you're watching it, you can't understand where some of the friendships came from. Yeah. But other than that, I think it's a good cult classic movie. So, 7 out of 10 for me. 7 out of 10. How about you? I think time hasn't been kind to it. So, I'm with you. I think I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 as well. There's lots about it that is still really good. The concept's brilliant. Soundtrack by Queen is epic. Definitely. Um, but I think it struggles, the effects don't really hold up. And even though this is Blu-ray and they've cleaned it up a lot, there are still some sequences that we've obviously not been able to do anything with because the film must have been too far gone. 
that said, still enjoy it. Still recommend that everybody gives it a watch. I think it's like you were saying as well. I think it's one of those films that you could get away with remaking. Yeah. So long as you didn't go too far from the concept and you kept the characters pretty much the same, you yeah. could elaborate a little bit more. Cause, I mean, like you said, you've got the technology now to do it. You've got great cinematographers and choreographers who could come up with some great scenes. Because really and truthfully, when you look at some of them, I mean, the first guy, Fazir, what, he's... There's like five or six immortals left. Yeah. McLeod kills him in about two minutes, but you'd have expected him to have been an exceptional swordsman to have survived yeah. and got there. Cool. So, hope you've enjoyed this episode, and we'll speak to you again next week. We've yet to decide on which film that'll be, but we'll um, let you know. Maybe do a little trailer like I did for this last one. And um, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Yeah. See you later.